Sesame Street might be one of the most famous streets in the United States. But it turns out there were, and in some cases still are, international versions of Sesame Street all across the world. I'm talking about Russian versions of Sesame Street, German versions of Sesame Street, Sesame Street in Northern Ireland, Canada, South Africa, and the Middle East. But these versions aren't the same thing you'd see in the United States. In all cases, they're tailor-made to reflect the local concerns and issues of children. For 20 years, Charlotte Cole helped develop international programming for Sesame Workshop. I got in touch with her recently to find out what it was like developing Muppet characters that connected with kids all over the world. But I started our conversation by asking Charlotte to explain the international model of Sesame Street and how it developed in the days before she joined the project in 1994. What evolved, you know, in the 70s, kind of very early on, was this co-production model where initially about 50% of the content was from Sesame Street in the United States, and then another 50% was produced locally. So in the German show, which has been on, you know, for years and years and years, you know, you'd see Bert and Ernie, and it would those segments were dubbed into German. But, you know, kids living in Germany really thought of Bert and Ernie as German. Right. So much so that, you know, there were even um, postage stamps in, in some of these countries wow. that were, yeah. But one, the, the difference when I came was that there were some opportunities to really look at how you could use Sesame Street to promote international development aims. And, and I'm assuming then that that would be a combination of American producers and, and educators working with producers and educators in whatever Russia or South Africa or and and coming up with what that sort of message ought to be or is that really mostly coming from the country where the show is going to be it was a collaboration that was just the most and some of the most exciting elements about working on these programs was this you know opportunity to be working with these amazing minds mm. all over the the world and the Sesame Workshop model, which was used, you know, and is still used today in the United States, was innovative in that it brought together researchers, educators to work over the course of an entire project hmm. with the producers. Then in the international realm, you kind of layer in that whole element of bringing in educators from whatever region you're working in, whatever country, and they're working with researchers there and the production team, and then collaborating with experts at Sesame. And so it became this kind of uber <laughs> collaboration. Well, and let's talk about an example of that, just so people can get a sense of that. Maybe talk about working on the uh, Israeli and Palestinian version. So how did that work? What What kind of messages were you developing together? And then what what did the outcome look like? So with that production, we began first by having meetings that were separate with Israelis and Palestinians. And then there's also a, a group of Palestinian Israeli citizens who were, you know, Arab citizens of Israel and kind of meeting with uh, experts from those three groups and then having kind of a separate time to really have them articulate what did they want the program to bring their children and what did they want their kids to learn. 
And then we had an opportunity to bring people together in a seminar that, uh, you know, that was fascinating. I mean, there were, there were people that joined who had never been in the room with somebody from the other group. And they really talked about what should kids know and hmm. what should, should they learn. And what's amazing, I think, in terms of Sesame Street and kind of why we were able to work in these different realms was, you know, for all of the discourse that might be negative across group divides, everybody wants a brighter future for their children. Right. And so children become a huge unifier. You could get people to talk about their kids and talk about what they wanted for their kids and, you know, even kind of be a much more playful engagement just because hmm. everybody was focused on kids. That particular project, you know, it, it had its kind of ups and downs kind of in accordance with what was happening politically, um, and it morphed into different things. Um, but the essential core was to... One, you know, it had sort of a basic curriculum that was very much like the curriculum here in the United States of literacy, numeracy, kind of basic social skills. But it was also to help introduce Palestinian children to Israelis and Israelis' children to Palestinians. Mm. Now, I, I understand that that particular show, as you put it, kind of morphed over the years explicitly because of the, the politics of the situation, particularly having to do with the idea of one street? Is that true? Well, there had been a program in Israel for a long time that was quite beloved, um, mm. that was a Sesame Street program. And so, and that was produced by Israeli educational television. Um, and so this was an extension of that in in many ways at the very beginning. But the innovation was that there was a Israeli street and there was a Palestinian street. And hmm. really what, what evolved was basically two different shows. Um, and then there was some crossover between the characters where Israeli characters would come to the Palestinian program and vice versa. But there, there were distinct differences between the end products for a, lo a lot of reasons. I mean, well, one, the Palestinian program was in Arabic and the, the Israeli was in Hebrew. And then it did have some Arabic elements to it. So is there um, a, a character or a segment or something that really stands out to you from the Israeli-Palestinian version of Sesame Street that really kind of captures what that was all about? Well, let's see. In terms of characters, you know, each of the the Israelis had their cast, and the Palestinians had their cast, and they had, um, and then they had uh, other characters that would um, talk to each other. Like there's a there's a beautiful exchange between these two little Muppet kind of Muppets that that are um, just these kind of happy-go-lucky Muppets that are exchanging. And at one point, they're, you know, they're realizing one, that one speaks Hebrew and the other speaks Arabic, and they're trying to kind of figure out how they're going to communicate. And in the end, they realize that they share a love of falafel. <laughs> and so they just start to, to, you know, echo back to each other, falafel, falafel, <laughs> falafel. And, they, you know, and so the falafel becomes uh, the, their shared word and their kind of shared love. It's this idea of finding your common humanity.
let me shift from um, the Israeli-Palestinian version that we've been talking about to another one of these international Sesame Street editions that had educational and then some kind of um, deeper message to it, and that's um, South Africa. And I understand that you helped develop a character named Kami for the South yes. African version? Uh, this was really wonderful. So early on, Sesame uh, had had visited South Africa. They were actually invited. To, uh, it was a little bit before I arrived. They were invited to come and kind of talk to people and see if it would be possible to do a Sesame co-production there. And th the company was very interested, uh, but had decided they wanted to wait until, uh, you know, after apartheid. And so uh, once apartheid ended, they decided to do a program that would support South Africa's new curriculum. And this Sesame piece was going to support that. But after the program had been on the on for a year, uh, the program's called Takalani Sesame. There was, and this was true from the very beginning, people, the educators in South Africa really felt that any kind of educational program in South Africa needs to address HIV and AIDS. At the time, there was a wonderful minister of education. His name is Kader Asmal. He had seen Sesame Street, and he was very familiar with it. He knew kind of its potential. He also was deeply um, concerned about the situation of HIV and AIDS in South Africa. And I think he felt it was a responsibility of the minister, the Ministry of Education to be educating the population about the issues of HIV and AIDS. And he also believed in starting early. This was a, a country where one in nine South, Africa's, South Africans was affected by infected by the disease, and so it was impacting them uh, on a huge level. And he felt very strongly that even young kids can learn about this. And so it was really his kind of drive um, that set us up. We began by just looking at, you know, what should young kids know? And we did formative testing to find out what do kids already know? And what we found out was the kids you know, they associated HIV and AIDS with a kind of negative valence, and they, they knew it was something bad, but they didn't know what it was. They didn't know it was a disease. And really what became, kind of emerged was there was such a huge culture of silence around HIV and AIDS, and what people felt was that we need to give kids a lexicon for talking about HIV and AIDS. Kids and their parents the result of that was the development of this character, Cami, whose name um, means hope. Every aspect of her was deliberate. First of all, she's a more humanoid-looking Muppet. Mm. And the reason for that was that, you know, it's human disease. You know, they didn't want there to be kind of confusion with a more animal-like character. She's female because of the disproportionate number of women uh, who are uh, infected, all the different elements of her personality and kind of who she was were were debated by these educators and the working with the creative staff. She became this vehicle for helping kids learn about HIV and AIDS, and it, and it really became a wonderful, a wonderful thing. And what's interesting is the feedback that that we got from parents from kids. It was. 
it really worked. It was a way for people to talk about it. You know, she became a, a champion for children for UNICEF. She kind of cut an official, I don't know, it wasn't exactly ambassador title because <laughs> I don't think you can be an ambassador if you're a Muppet, but she was as close as you can be. Mr. President, I have a very important question for you. What does a former Mr. President do? Well, Cammy, one of the things I do is talk to people about things that are important to them, mm -hmm. about things that will make a difference in their lives. Oh, yes. Well, I do that also. I like to talk to people about my school and my friends and my favorite things. Oh, oh and I also talk to them about HIV and AIDS. Me too, Cammy. Now, actually talking about whether a puppet can be an ambassador or not, I, I understand that you've used the term Muppet diplomacy before in talking about this work. So, so what actually do you mean by that? To me, Muppets are playful. They are um, endearing to, to people. And, and I've seen people be in meetings and we'll have little plush toys sitting on the table. And, you know, when things the discussions get difficult, um, people will start fiddling around with these plush toys and a certain amount melts, you know. And I, I think that Muppet diplomacy is really about getting at that common humanity that we share. And the Muppets just do that. Charlotte Cole is the executive director and co-founder of Blue Butterfly Collaborative, which supports locally made educational programming in low-income countries. For 20 years, she was senior vice president of global education at Sesame Workshop. And thanks to UNICEF for the audio you just heard of Cami with, if you couldn't tell, former President Bill Clinton. <laughs>